0: Living Room Logic. Everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of Living Room Logic. And I'm so happy to be here today with a clean energy transition researcher, Dr. Paul Dean. Um, Dr. Dean, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Ed. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Dr. Dean is a senior researcher in the Marley Centre um, down in Cork. Uh, Focusing his research on clean energy futures and it's quite amazing Uh, you've published over 120 technical reports on clean energy scenarios. And uh, I see that you're frequently involved in energy policy in Ireland and Europe. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm a research scientist or a a research fellow down in Mara. Mara is the Science Foundation Ireland Centre for Energy, Climate and Marine. And I I have a really nice job. It's really enjoyable. I get to think about the future every day. So. And I guess I think about uh, how we will produce our electricity, how we will produce our food, how we will move around, get from A to B, how we will keep our homes cozy and warm, and how we will fuel our industry. So I think about how we can do these things, not only in the future, but how we can do these things in a clean way. And I guess the reason why I do that is wrapped around a number of, I suppose, dimensions. We think about this from a a climate change perspective. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a really massively important issue and a really big challenge many would say correctly big opportunity for us here in Ireland but also we're we're fundamentally reliant on fossil fuels in here in Ireland. Ireland you know we we like to think ourselves Aidan as being a a very green and clean country and in many ways we are but unfortunately we're one of the most fossil fuel dependent countries in Europe and uh, over the next hour uh, we are going to spend over a million euros importing fossil fuel into Ireland and when you think about the you wow. Know, how rich to country. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, a million euros. Uh, it's just over 24 million euros every day. Uh, when you think about how rich we are in terms of natural resources and, uh, and our ability to produce energy and save energy, that's a real crazy number, isn't it?
0: Well, it is. And you've kind of already gone into this because I really wanted to uh, give everyone an indication of where we are coming from in the past in terms of energy production. So before we get into this, what you've already said is kind of a dirty present. <laughs> uh, where were we in the past in terms of energy production? What did people in Ireland use to power and heat things?
1: Energy is so, so, fundamentally, so fundamentally important to our economy and our society. And, mm-hmm. and actually that link between the economy and society is quite important. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we tend to find with, with energy use that, the more active an economy is, or the more growth there is in economy, the more active we are as a society, the more we act, we are active we are as humans, we, we consume more, we move around more, we eat more, and we tend to move to use more energy. Now, if we go back, mm. let's say, to the 1990s or the 1980s, and many people listening might be familiar with that time, mm. Ireland's economy was, was, was relatively depressed. It wasn't the big, booming economy that we have today. And the yeah. energy system that we had was quite different. Um, We actually still use a lot of the same fuels. Uh, Oil was predominantly the main uh, fuel and oil was used to get people to heat homes, to to drive cars, to drive trucks, but we didn't actually use a lot of it. Uh, And that's linked really to our economic activity. Ireland was very different, not only economically, but socially as well back then, you know, there was... Mm different habits and different traits uh, uh, uh you know some of the funny things even 30 40 years ago showering wasn't that big a deal people used to take baths <laughs> maybe once a week so we use less yeah. water for heating our, our our homes you know our homes were a lot cooler um, uh, typically a modern home in ireland now it would be heated to about 21 to 22 degrees yeah for our parents or are many people listening when they were kids your home would have been heated about 16 degrees and um, so we used a lot less energy for our homes. Uh, we drove mm. a lot less. You know, we went on holidays to the next county. You know, we didn't fly off to Spain or to, to, to these places. Exactly. We, it, it, was, it was a lot more humble. Many people would say it was a lot better, but, you know, that's, that's open to interpretation. Uh, but it certainly was a lot simpler and certainly we consumed a lot less and we used a lot less energy.
0: What's so interesting about that is just it clearly is a very cultural thing. And uh, of course, as you said, people probably just wore a lot more sweaters and uh, did, didn't didn't go far. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, no, it's, I guess many people would argue, you know, an older generation, they would argue, well, they were more resilient. You know, they were more robust and resilient and maybe a bit hardy, but who knows? But. They also had less stuff. You know, life was a bit was a was a bit harder. They didn't have as many mm. of the appliances that we had, so there would have been very few dishwashers, uh, washing machines, tumble dryers, electric showers. Uh, these are yeah. the things that come. These are the trappings and, I suppose, the benefits of a of a modern economy and a modern society. Uh, they certainly didn't have the gadgets that we have. You know, the the the, the tablets, the phones. You know, they're they they they're naturally a very more recent phenomenon. I suppose mm. the upshot of all that, then, bring when you bring that economic activity. social activity and you wrap the energy system around it the energy system was a lot smaller um electricity would have been the uh would have been mainly generated from things like oil um uh which is really inefficient and really dirty um and that has changed very much so in in the in the in the in the the last 20 30 years Uh, most homes would have been heated again to a very low degree with uh, with oil and with coal and with peat and again that's changed dramatically as well in Ireland and mm. while cars were pretty much the same in terms of what they do they move from a to b cars back in the 80s and the 90s were, were very inefficient you know they were they they used a lot of petrol used a lot of diesel they were very heavy they were very clunky mm, um, so we point, used yeah. so even though we didn't use a lot of energy at a na- at a natural at a national level per se the stuff mm. that we did use was relatively inefficient and very dirty as well in terms of polluting in terms of greenhouse gases
0: you've kind of mentioned it at the start as well that we kind of have changed a bit well we've definitely increased it but in terms of our energy production our carbon emissions but how much of an increase in terms of capacity and have we actually changed at all in how we produce energy today
1: that's a really strong question. Yeah, so let's talk about greenhouse gas emissions. So these are the, you know, the heat-trapping gases that go into the atmosphere and, and are causing our planet to warm in really unusual and dangerous ways. Funnily enough, Aiden, Ireland is the only country Ireland's emissions this year, 2022, are pretty much the same as they were in 1990. Uh, now you can look at that in two ways. You can say, "Wow, we haven't got any worse, but we also mm. haven't got any better." You know, if you compare our emissions today to what the U.K. have done, for example, our nearest neighbor. They probably Mm -hmm. have reduced their emissions at a national level by about 45 to 47% since 1990. Right across Europe, emissions would have reduced by about 25 to 27% since 1990. We have a zero change. Our emissions are pretty much the same. Now, people will argue two elements of that and say, look, Ireland industrialized a lot later. Uh, We Mm -hmm. became richer a lot later. So we're still playing catch up. Um, And that's fair to say that 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 did happen. But. Our position in terms of, of emissions is not a good story to tell the world, unfortunately. And, and again, it comes back to that wow. thing I said at the start. It's, uh, you know, we, we think of ourselves as green and clean, that's okay. But Ireland as a country, our emissions are small within a global context. But really, if we're being honest with ourselves, that's just a, a coincidence of geography, right? We're a small island. So, so of course, we're going to be small in, in, a, in a global context. But if yeah. we look at the consequences of our economic and social activity, again, so how we move around how we heat our homes how we generate electricity then you and me as Irish citizens would have the second largest carbon footprint or greenhouse gas footprint in Europe um, oh uh, on, a, on a per person basis and that's really disappointing yeah so, wow. it's, uh, and that comes back again to the inefficiencies that we have in Ireland about how we use energy and again our, our that 1 million euros that we're going to spend this hour uh, um, uh, importing fossil fuel into Ireland all that releases emissions and when we look at it when we look at that on a per person basis, we would have the second highest greenhouse gas footprint per person in Europe. So we're again, it's unfortunately it's not a, it's not a good story to share.
0: It's quite shocking. I, I didn't know that. And it's definitely something that we need to work on. I mean, how uh, this kind of works quite well into my next question. What sort of goals do we have in terms of reducing our carbon emissions and What's the plan to achieve these goals? And do you, do you think these goals are good?
1: Yeah, so I, I've, I've told you all the bad news now, Aidan. So yeah. time, we, we kind of, let's, let's, I, uh, let's look to I need the future. some good news, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> uh, well, thankfully, over the last couple of years, and, and many, there's a really strong environmental movement, very strong climate movement. movement in our, yeah. and many ways, this has grown out of grassroots from, you know, programs like Antashka and primary schools with green flags and universities and, and just mm. a much greater awareness. And this is translated into political. Uh, political activity at the moment. So, the uh, the current government, the coalition, has primarily driven. Let's be honest by the by 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 the Green Party, have a plan to reduce Ireland's greenhouse gas emissions. All those greenhouse gas emissions by fifty percent over this decade. Um, that is remarkably hard. Just put it in context: in no country in the world has ever deliberately achieved that in a peacetime period. Uh, so, reducing our emissions by half. It's something we need to do because we're starting on the back foot. We're starting at the, at the back of the pack in relation to mm-hmm. our uh, other European member states and other countries around the world. Um, but it's going to be remarkably uh, difficult. It's going to be very challenging. We know we can do it. Um, we know we have the technologies. We know what we have to do. So we have the blueprints. You know, it's, we're not fumbling around in the dark here. Yeah. Uh, but we know it's going to be difficult and it's going to take radical change across society and across the political system to deliver that.
0: This.
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: You're talking about we have a, a map there or a road map. W- what sort of road map is it? Can you tell us a little bit about that road map?
1: Sure, I can. And the reason I can is because that's kind of my day job with my colleagues here in Marai. We, we we come up with these blueprints and these maps to, to help us navigate the future, bring us to that low carbon future. So. Uh, let's talk about electricity. That's the anybody who's listening to this on their on their on their device or at home, you know, look around your home at the moment or look around your office or the street. Uh, electricity is, is, is the main thing we use to power our appliances, our gadgets, and our you know, our, our, our TVs and, and whatever. So there's a really good news story for Ireland in terms of how we've changed our electricity generation. So remember I said back in the 90s, a lot of stuff was done with oil and coal. Oil mm. has been pretty much eliminated now from electricity generation in Ireland. That's really good. Uh, we don't use coal Fantastic. that much anymore, uh, which is also good because coal is very polluting. We still use it, all, you know, for about 10% of our electricity, but nothing yeah. like we were using it back in the 80s. And, there were, yeah. the,
0: and two it's things happened.
1: And that's yeah, a huge change and really significant. And, and almost kind of subtle. You know, it, when you turn on your switch, the light is still there, mm. uh, but it's actually a cleaner electricity coming into your house. Yeah. And so two things happened there, Aidan. One was the, significant growth in renewables in, in particularly mm-hmm. in onshore wind so anyone driving mm-hmm. around the country at the moment you, you don't have to drive very far before you you can see a wind farm maybe nearby or off in the distance yeah. so 2020 about 40 of the most official stat, statistics about 40 percent of all our electricity came from renewables uh, whereas back in the 80s and 90s it was close to zero That's really promising. And that's really good. And that's when it's going for a country.
0: And actually something we can be quite proud of.
1: And we should be proud of it because very few countries have achieved that. So we have form Mm. in doing things that we haven't expected we can do. And the other thing that we did as well at the same time, we started using a lot of natural gas. Natural gas, while it is a fossil fuel, it's Mm. the cleanest, if you can say that, of all the fossil fuels. It's the one that produces the least. So What we have in Ireland at the moment is that we have, uh, for the electricity system, we almost have a two-fuel system, what we call a dual-fuel system. When it's very, very windy, we're using uh, natural resources, like wind, to produce most of our electricity and using very little natural gas. And then when it's not very windy, we're typically using a lot of natural gas, which is the, the cleanest available fossil fuel at the moment. And that allows us to have a cleaner electricity system. And we've pretty much halved our emissions, actually, for electricity generation uh, in Ireland over the last thirty years, that's a good new story. The, the challenge, though, what well, is that? While that is a good new story, and we've done mm-hmm. good there, we've done pretty bad then in other sectors. Um, so cars. Remember, we we talked about. Well, people didn't used to drive much. We now drive about thirty-five billion kilometers in Ireland every year, and wow. just to kind of put it in context, that's the space. Um, probe was a discovery. Was, was launched in 1978-77 and it was, sent yeah. out into, it was sent out into, into cellar space. And it's travelled about 18 billion kilometres so far. We drive collectively twice that amount in Ireland every single year. Uh, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> so we we So we're, we're Wow, we, we're, we love our cars. We're addicted to our cars. So we drive about mm. um, you know, our, our parents or people who are listening to this who are, who are a bit older and maybe driving in the 90s typically drove about a a half of what we're driving at the moment. And it's not just that we're driving longer, we're driving further, but a lot of families now have two cars. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's become almost a a necessity. So the opportunity that we missed there was really around public transport and around uh, spatial planning. You know, a lot of European countries just got families to build their homes closer to each other um, and then use public transport to move people around. We didn't Mm -hmm. really do that in Ireland. We encouraged families to live far apart from each other and then, use the car instead of use public the car
0: to data. to to get around mm. yeah
1: and that has caused a big increase in 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 oil consumption in ireland and also a big increase in in emissions and that's kind of offset all those those good things that we're doing with electricity uh they've been offset with increased emissions from the other sectors from transport
0: okay it's so cool to get a breakdown because it's it's so clearly not just one thing you don't you you know it's uh, this this task is clearly you have to fight each sector and they are their complete own story and that must also be (laughs) incredibly complicated
1: it is we like to think about it like a rubik's cube you know you can if you look at if you stare at one side of a rubik's cube long enough you can can solve that side Uh, but then the other sides are all messed up and when you're (laughs) thinking about energy you really need to look at everything together so you need to look at how we power our homes electricity how we fuel our cars with oil or fossil fuels how we heat our mm-hmm. homes how we fuel industry and how we grow our food so when you look at all these things holistically and in, in an integrated way you see yes it yeah. is very complex but you also see wow you know there's a lot of things that we should be doing that are good in one area that will benefit other areas you know so mm. when we clean up our electricity generation in ireland like we're doing that allows us to produce clean electricity which we can use to power for electric cars um, uh, and that mm. removes amount of oil and petrol and diesel that we use for, for for moving around and replaces it with clean electricity and that's a good thing so that's how you spot that you know, doing something good in one area can be beneficial for another area that you might have thought about previously
0: i want to ask you one more question about that but before i do you talked a bit about the uk and their energy production are there any other countries that we can really learn from in terms of the things that we're lacking in well for one it's our cars our, our transport so are there other countries that we can learn from in terms of how to transition a whole transport industry towards clean energy
1: we spend a lot of time looking at scandinavia as well in scandinavia are, you know like everything they do like you know they've given the world ikea and all these wonderful things so they they yeah. they're, they're pretty clever up there but what they tend to do in in sweden and finland and norway they look internally at the country uh, and they look at the strengths that they have, the resources that they have. So, okay. for example, we're going through a very serious energy crisis at the moment, and in Ireland, we're very worried about natural gas being cut off to Ireland, uh, or yeah. natural gas being cut off to, to to mainland Europe, because that would impact us here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. In, in Finland, for example, um they're not too worried about that because they use very little natural gas. Um, back in the sixties and seventies, they looked at their country and they said, "Wow, we have a very active ecosystem here. We grow lots of trees. We grow things very well." So bioenergy energy that you grow either waste waste timber or, or fuels that you mm. grow are a huge part of their economy they're one of the few countries in the world actually that's that that the bioeconomy is bigger than the fossil fuel economy so they produce wow. more energy from timber that they grow that they use for industry that they use for you know sell on to ikea and all these other places um, yeah. and they get most of, they also produce a lot of energy from wastes again which is a bioenergy resource. And their bioenergy resource is greater than, than their needs for oil, uh, and it's far greater than their needs for natural gas. And I think there's a lot of merit to be found in that. For a country, it's very easy to look at other countries and say, well, what are they doing? But to look inward mm-hmm. at ourselves and say, well, what are we good at here in Ireland? You know, we're we're very good at, at, its, at, at, re- at renewable electricity. We've proven that. Uh, but mm-hmm. we're also very good at, the potential to grow things in Ireland. Uh, And we can grow a lot of energy in Ireland. We grow a lot of grass in Ireland. You can use that grass to mix it with slurries to produce renewable uh, uh, gas. That can be a solution to the transport sector, to heavy transport. It can also give farmers who are struggling um, making ends meet at the moment, give them options to do Mm. something else with their land, to stay on the land, but to use that land differently. So there's some of the things I think that we we can look at other countries and just seeing how they figured out how to, how to do how to use resources that they had in their country, how to use mm-hmm. them sensibly, and how to play to their strengths and in Ireland, I think our very obvious strength is is renewable energy, not just wind and solar and wave, but also our ability to grow things i think is has got big potential here as well,
0: yeah, that's a great one that I would not think of straight away at all. it's we have such a long growing season, we have really good. Uh, land throughout the country.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those, it's one of those things, Aiden, that our agriculture sector has been, become so successful. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's, you know, Fairly. and it's linked to sustainability, but our agricultural system in Ireland is coming under pressure. Uh, mm. it's, it's gone to a level of intensification that requires the land to be overworked, that overburdens mm. the, the biodiversity. There's a lot of pressure on water, or water quality, air quality, and still most farmers get underpaid. Um, so mm-hmm. as part of these climate change commitments that we have in Ireland, we also recognised, hey, look, greenhouse gases don't just come from fossil fuels. They also, unfortunately, come from things like animals, like livestock, uh, like, mm-hmm. like, like the beef and dairy herds. So looking at ways to give farmers other options that allow us to reduce the emissions coming from from livestock. Um, is a good thing because it it allows farmers to financially remain feasible, but it also reduces the environmental burden on the other elements of the ecosystem, such as water quality, air quality and biodiversity. And and again, that's one of those kind of Rubik's Cube moments. When you look at all the dimensions of a problem, you can see that, well, you know, by solving this part of the problem, other elements can wrap around that solution as well.
0: You've given such a good overview of our situation. I'm really interested in asking you about some of the more nitty gritty stuff you've been involved in. Could you tell us about some research items that you've been working on? Yeah, we, we did
1: a, a really nice study last year looking at this net zero carbon um, energy a, a net zero energy system. And mm. a net zero energy system essentially it's a it's it's a way of powering our economy, of fueling our economy, our homes, our industries, our our enterprises, but without emitting um, greenhouse gases. Uh, and that was really interesting. It was a piece of work that we did that was funded by industry, by the Irish Wind Energy Association and others. Um, and what we did was we looked at, at at the things that we're good at in Ireland. We looked at our ability to grow uh, uh, crops for without competing with food production. We looked at our ability to save energy from homes. We looked at our ability to maybe cycle a bit more, walk a bit more. So we take so we use our car a little less. Uh, mm-hmm. We looked at the huge wind resource and solar resource that we have here in Ireland, our wave resource. And we kind of put numbers with, well, how much could we produce? And one of the things that we did in Aidan was we put all that into a very large computer simulation. And we simulated the year 2050 and the year 2030. And, and within that simulation, we come up with a, a blueprint or an architecture that allows us to understand how we can maintain that economic activity in Ireland. Because economic activity is important. It gives people jobs. It's, it's, it's really important for the financial elements of the country. And we found, yeah. yes, we can achieve all those things and also reduce our emissions. And the biggest way to do that was, first of all, by, again, very obviously, leveraging that huge uh, renewable resource that we have in Ireland. So our wind, our yeah. solar, and our bioenergy resource as well. Um, that was very important. The other thing that we found was that saving energy is really important. So, And saving energy is really neat because it's almost the cheapest form of energy that you can have is energy that you don't use. So if you're not using something, it's costing you nothing, and that's really good. So yeah. by being more efficient is really important. So and one way you can do that is by making our homes more cosier, less draft, you know, less draughty, so they leak less less heat, and that, there's huge mm-hmm. potential for Ireland to save energy and money there. So a typical Irish home, for example, Aidan, would probably leak about sixty percent of its heat. So if you're paying a thousand euros a year heating your home, probably six hundred is seeping out through your, your windows, your walls, your roof. Yeah. No, it's waste. You know, and, and that So, by, by making our buildings, that would traffic, drive
0: people crazy to hear that.
1: <laughs> it's really disappointing, isn't it? You know, now it's not all—it's not all easy. Uh, if you retrofit your home or put in windows or, or different types of insulation, the upfront mm-hmm. cost is very heavy. So there's almost a, a, there's a financial disincentive there because all the, the cost is upfront and the savings yeah. are long term. As humans, we don't tend to like those things, but that's why policy should, should change. So we figured out that uh, by by using all these things. Uh, By producing more renewable energy in Ireland, uh, wind and solar and bioenergy, by saving more energy. And the third dimension, I suppose, of that pillar to achieve uh, an energy system that doesn't pollute in the future is with electricity. Uh, So today, even though we often talk about energy and electricity as being the same thing, they're not. Um, Most Mm. of our energy in Ireland is actually comes from fossil fuels uh, for powering our cars, our industry and heating our homes. Um, Mm. Electricity is really only limited to our gadgets and our appliances. But in the future we know that we need to put more plugs on things because we're really good at producing electricity so we need electricity to reach deeper into society deeper into the economy and one way you can do that is by electrifying things so by having more electric cars by having more e-scooters e-bikes by having more electric heating systems that allows us to use something we're very good at in areas of the economy that we're not really good at at the moment and those synergies and those overlaps Allow us to meet a, a a to meet that demand of a, an energy system that doesn't pollute in the future, uh, and we have all these things. You know, one of the I suppose most revealing things about our research is that you know we're not talking about new technologies or unicorn technologies that need to be invented or need to come to market. We know yeah. how to do this today. We have these t- technologies. Mm-hmm. Most of them are commercial today. Some of them need need a little bit no-
0: need, need more commercial push. Much. Yeah,
1: yeah, but that's that that's so that's okay. So we have the know how. We have the blueprints, and the the really surprising thing about that study was we found it doesn't cost a huge amount of money actually. So mm. people often talk about uh, energy transitions, and they talk about one of the great things in Ireland in the past was the, the building of Ardna Crusha. So Ardna Crusha was the the ESB electricity generation built in the in the forties or maybe even maybe even earlier. Yeah, uh, and at that time, twenty five percent of all the money flowing through the Irish economy went into Ardna right? Uh, it was a huge capital wow. expenditure what we found is actually to get this uh, net zero energy system that doesn't pollute we need to redirect about two percent of all the money flowing through the economy into clean energy and that's enough to achieve to pay for that uh, that energy system and that's really remarkable because we often think that well climate action is expensive and moving away from from fossil fuels is expensive it's not actually mm-hmm. the real expensive thing is climate inaction and staying with fossil fuels is, is the most expensive thing yes we do have to invest a lot more and the challenge there is just the philosophy like I said about the homes it's the the cost for renewables tends to be a lot upfront and very little yeah. in the future whereas mm-hmm. our energy system and everything that we do today like if you buy a home heating system, it's a little bit upfront and then a little bit you know and a lot then into the future when you look at it over a 20-year lifetime or lifetime mm. with renewables it's the complete inverse of that. It's a lot up front and very little in the future, and for that, really, we need different ways of thinking, different ways of financing, and different different ways of of supporting people. And I guess the, the caveat to all this is: look, it's really hard. Just because something is doable doesn't mean it's easy. You know, I often like to think of these things like you know that that RTE show um, Operation Transformation, where mm-hmm. you know they bring candidates on and get them to to, to lose weight or whatever. You know. Yeah it sounds like a simple concept, but it's, it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? You know, changing our habits is difficult. It's always difficult mm-hmm. up front. There's resistance. We don't want to do it as humans. And that's perfectly, um, and there's a bit of fear involved as well. Maybe that's perfectly normal, but also like operation transformation, you know, if you're able to, to be healthier uh, and and lose weight or do whatever, there's benefits for for your mental health. There's benefits financially, maybe there's, there's broader benefits for your family. So Again, when you move away from fossil fuels, it's not just about reducing emissions, it's about increasing employment, it's about reducing pollution in the air, it's about you know, making our homes more cosy, so that it's not just about the climate emissions anymore, it's about society mm. and it's about a healthier society and, and that's, that's, that's what I think is, is an important element.
0: That's actually what I wanted to ask you. The way that you talk about the benefits of cleaner energy is a lot in terms of how would it benefit us economically? How would we be able to monetize it? How would we be able to actually make a better economy from it? But you're so right that it's not just the economy. It has to be other things as well. Is a cleaner energy Ireland going to be better for other things?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's really important. And certainly it will, you know, because we import that million euros every hour, that's a million euros we're paying to other countries, other people Mm. working in those countries to produce our energy. So not only are we outsourcing the production of that energy, we're outsourcing the environmental responsibility that comes with reducing it as well. So we don't have a lot of people working actually in the energy sector in Ireland. You know, we've got, you know, you might know someone working in oil and gas or electricity. But in comparison to other countries, we have very few people here actually working in energy in Ireland because we produce so little ourselves. 70% or so comes from uh, from abroad. Yes, there's reducing emissions, but about, it's about increasing employment. It's about reducing our exposure to the geopolitical situations that we're seeing at the moment. So even though Ireland isn't connected by pipeline to Russia at the moment, we're connected by prices. And that's why we're seeing skyrocketing Absolutely. electricity prices in, in Ireland at the moment. If we had the system...
2: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: That we want in 2050, if we had this today, we would be completely insulated. From the terrible events that are going on in Russia at the moment, the energy blackmailing, I suppose, that the criminal is continuing around uh, around Europe. We will be insulated to those from those because we will produce all of our energy here in Ireland um, from a resource that that is that is totally immune to, to geopolitics, the weather, uh, you know, and, and sure, there are going to be days when it's windy and it's going to be days when, there, when it's calm. But we know the technologies that we need to back up the system. We know the ways we can produce clean fuels to do that. So we could really insulate ourselves um, from the volatility of fossil fuel prices. While at the same time increasing jobs, while at the same time making our air cleaner, making our our homes cozier, uh, and making the place a healthier place in general.
0: I'm just thinking of a scenario because I think it's important for the audience to be able to think of this in their head as well, to actually be able to visualize it. Yeah. There's a bunch of wind farms offshore. There's a bunch of wind farms on shore. Everyone has solar panels on their houses. Our cars are mainly electric and we're moving away from fueled cars. We don't use our cars as much. We use more buses, trains, metros, etc. And our air is cleaner and we have more jobs and we're paying less in terms of fuel and maybe in terms of food and maybe in terms of everything, that sounds
1: great. It leaves you with the question of where's the catch? You know, where, that's you know, if it's all that it good. It does, it does. Know, and, and the catch is that we have to invest. You know, that, that mm. 2% of what we call GDP or all the money that flows through the economy, we need to yeah. make that additional investment. Uh, and that's the difficulty that we we traditionally have here in Ireland with lots of things. We have it in the healthcare system, we have it transport. We are very uh, resistant to investing in our future. I'm not pulling punches here politically in any parties, but we have a a short termism uh, and uh, a myopic view of the future that's very, that kind of falls within the uh, election cycle that focuses more on the next election rather than the next generation. If we were really, and that's where the catch is with all this, you know, if we had um, social bravery and political bravery to say, look, we need to invest in this future, and yet we're not going to reap the benefits immediately. Uh, the benefits mm-hmm. of this will be reaped in a decade and two decades. Um, that's our big challenge. You know, we 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 struggle with that in our, and it's not just in Ireland. It's probably in other countries as well. We have the short term.
0: It isn't just us, right? Yeah, like exactly. a lot of the world works like that, especially in their political system. A lot of companies
1: think in terms of quarters or in things of the next business cycle, but we need to mm-hmm. think in terms of of decades. And if we do that, that would Help unlock that investment that we need to make in the future.
0: Are there any other studies or projects that you've been involved in that you'd like to talk about that is to do with this transitioning to clean energy?
1: Well, let me give you the inverse one because sometimes with science and research, you don't always get the results you'd expect. So we looked at a very mm. similar study then for, for 2030. And you mentioned the word transition there, Reed, and that's really important too. So when you're when you're thinking about the future, it's not an abrupt change into yeah. a, a wonderful. <laughs> the world where everything's clean, yeah. and wonderful. It's tricky, and there's transition. So we did a lovely piece of work with the Electricity Association of Ireland uh, um, last year, two years ago, where we looked at eight years into the future. We looked at at the year 2030, and we looked at you know, well, can we get most of our electricity from wind? And we found out, yeah, we can. Um, but there's going to be days actually when it's not windy, uh, when it's going to be very cold, you know mm-hmm. people will need a lot of electricity. What do you do then? And Mm. to reveal though the answers to that, what we did was we we built these very detailed computer simulations of the whole European power system. And we modeled about a quarter of a million hours of weather data, of wind and solar data flowing across uh, Europe. Mm. And we observed what would happen in Ireland. And we get these rare events that don't happen very often, but they just kind of have to happen once. And things become very difficult where the weather over the UK, Ireland and France becomes very calm. Uh, typically it happens in January and February uh, you know those days in February where you go outside and the atmosphere just seems really calm things are just really still it's, cr- it's crisp, it's cold and calm, yeah. Exactly, so and the word that we borrowed actually from, from German researchers is called Dunkelflaute you know Germans are great for taking long sentences and condensing them down into one.
0: <laughs> we have some German words in some of our episodes of perfectly <laughs> described things <laughs>
1: Right. They're like ruthlessly rootlessly efficient. Right. So so we get these dunkle flouta incidents. Uh, it's calm, as cold as crisp and they might last for 10 days and mm. there's no wind and it's mm. really cold. So everybody's heating their homes. We're all driving a lot more. You need lots of electricity. Then, So what okay. do you do then? And what we found is actually we need more um, uh, natural gas. Uh, and actually, we found out that we're going to have to build more natural gas turbines in Ireland over the next 10 years, specifically okay. to meet those um those those small pockets of periods and as a researcher that's conflicting that's weird because you think well i want to move away from fossil fuels Mm. but i need to build them in the meanwhile and politically and socially that's a very difficult uh message to to communicate but what we found was that yes look renewables are the best way to reduce emissions in Ireland, and they kind of do this because they reduce the use of fossil fuels and power plants but they don't eliminate the need for those power plants yeah and that's why in ireland Over the next 10 years, and you'll see it in papers, you'll see it popping up. It will be politically very tricky, even though we're moving away from fossil fuels, we're still going to have to build more fossil fuel power plants to back up the wind and the solar on the days when we have these dump and flout incidents uh, until we figure out some way of storing huge volumes of electricity in a cheap and affordable way. And it's difficult to see how we can do that within the next 10 to 12 years. So that was one of the things as a researcher, you know, you kind of run the results and you kind of, wow, you kind of, oh, that's, that's surprising. You know, I didn't expect mm. that, um, but that's the wonderful about wonderful thing about research. You know, it's it's there to kind of challenge you, to test your integrity, I suppose, in many ways, um, mm. uh, and it reveals sometimes surprising things and sometimes unwelcome things. But but it's a robust finding, it's a resilient finding, and something that we have to face into an hour.
0: Well, what's so valuable about understanding that now is that in ten years' time, if we only uh, invested in offshore and onshore wind and then you had one of those incidences and it was a it was a mess
1: i don't know but you but i can't remember the last time i had a power cut at home uh, you know um you know the, the electricity system is so reliable in ireland at the moment we take mm-hmm. it for granted and as we move away you know from a fossil fuel power system to a weather-driven power system you're kind of trading the risks of geopolitics for meteorological risks you're, you're changing yeah. it for, for weather. But you do you do get these weather events, you get these uh, these calm events, and as you said, if everything is powered by weather-driven generation, and if the weather isn't there, what do you do? You can't ask people look, look hang tough for the next ten days. You need something to back it up, and that's where the, the fossil fuels come in. In the future, we know there's ways around that. You know, in in in, a, in maybe fifteen twenty uh, twenty years time, we know there's probably ways around that. But for the foreseeable future. It it makes that transition away from fossil fuels uh, a little bit tricky and a little bit clumsy at times.
0: But I also am really glad that you are working on the short to midterm rather than midterm to long term. You know, I I think this is exactly what the word transition probably means is, you know, you need to look at short to midterm, midterm, mid to long term, long term you know and you need to tackle each of those time frames Um, and so one of one of the final questions because i i I don't want to keep you for too long but you did talk about we're kind of stuck in terms of our financial pathways is there any sort of financial pathway for this transition you said that our our political system is kind of an obstacle but is there much push here in terms of that
1: we're getting there and look i suppose the political system just reflects what people want essentially doesn't it you know Hmm. so as it's probably it's maybe broader than the political system it's also the social system and it's 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 just years and decades as well uh, aiden of how we've become accustomed to financing things you know again if you take your home heating system fossil fuel boiler is cheap uh, uh, it's very little money up front uh, but yeah, yeah you pay a huge amount of the lifetime of the boiler itself and we, and we forget that we just see the the upfront cost as being as, as being soft yeah. Um, so that needs to change. Uh, same with retrofitting. I think a big challenge in Ireland is that we know our homes leak you know, 60 percent of their heat and 60, uh, of their energy. That's not very good. But again, there's a huge obstacle to us investing in our homes. So one of the ways we could get around that is by trying, you know, really, really radical things and then, you know, giving financial payments that aren't linked to a person, but are linked to a property. So let's just say you wanted to retrofit your mm. home you know, it costs maybe 40 to 50,000 euros. That's a big, you know, that's, that's, a big huge, that's a big, chunk yeah. of money and very few people can, can afford to make that investment. But yeah. if the payments were linked to the lifetime of your property, so your house might last hopefully 100 years, 120 years, and whoever's living in the house would make those repayments over 120 years, then you're dealing with much, mm-hmm. much lower upfront costs that are spread out over a lifetime of a period because the value of the work that you did to the house goes beyond your lifetime no let's not get too morbid here but look, some of the things that we do the benefit will extend beyond our lifetime mm. and by leveraging the finance to the benefit of the action that you've done and by linking it to that that really de-risks the the, the financial investment that has to be met
0: you're saying that the person only pays for the cost uh, for the amount of time that they've spent in that
1: dwelling exactly yeah and yeah. whoever moves up whoever if you sell the house, or somebody else moves in, or your kids take it over, then they pick up. Yeah, you know, a because fun, they're getting a the fantastic benefit as well. Idea. Yeah, yeah, because we talk a lot in climate change about the future and the kids, and that's fair enough, and that's that's correct. Um, but they need to pick up some of the tab as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, and that's fair, uh, uh, particularly around things where the benefit extends to them. It's actually yeah.
0: so much more fair than than but, than you know, uh, if, say us us doing all of it now. But it's different, the way it, isn't
1: it? You know, if you think, if, if, you, if you chat to someone, uh, you know, someone in, in banking or someone in financing about this, they'll think you're crazy, right? They'll say, well, no, no, you need to make your repayments yeah. within eight years, 10 years, 12 years, you know? Yeah. So financial institutions, uh, and we used, to, we used to do this in Ireland. We used to do it in Europe, you know, with building council houses or building large infrastructure and you'd spread the debt over the lifetime of the infrastructure. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense uh, and it makes a lot more palatable. Um, but we have a financial institution uh, that again comes back to that short-termism, and uh, that's focused really on you know getting a return within a couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. rather than getting a fair return over the lifetime of the benefit.
0: So we all, as a nation, maybe even as more than a nation, more of a an entire part of the world, probably need to think about how we can change our mindset in terms of. This long termism,
1: yeah, and I think you know that starts with the when 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 people, when politicians and our electoral representatives knock at the door, you know, it's 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 not so much about asking questions anymore about the road or you know the, the immediate the the immediate present. It's about asking yeah. about the future and what are their plans for the future. Because I think we are very lucky in Ireland. We have a democracy, we have a healthy democracy, and with all its mm-hmm. mediocrity, that's fine, you know. But at least the great thing about democracies is that they are flexible and they reflect the will of the people. And if we, a people, mm-hmm. are concerned about an issue, or something around energy or around the healthy environments, that will ripple through into the political system, which eventually mm. hopefully will percolate out into the financial system. Uh, so it takes time, um, but it starts with you and me. It starts with with all of us listening today and just kind of raising these questions and asking these questions and seeing what the responses come back and if those responses are good enough or not.
0: I could leave you on this question, and you just mentioned it there, but maybe to elaborate on it a little bit, what would you say to the average Irish person, what could they do to help this situation?
1: There's lots of obvious things that we can all do. You know, we all know about solar panels and insulating EVs and you know, walking more. But I think the biggest thing is just talking about it, especially around election time. You know, uh, I think that's when yeah. it matters most. Uh, we know what we have to do. We have the blueprints, but we do need that political bravery. You know, politicians do need that political safety net. And if they're putting their head on the chopping block and saying, "Well, look, we need to put in that cycle lane," you know, we know it's it's going to be inconvenient for people. We know people aren't going to like it. But in the long term, that's going to pay a benefit. They will need that safety net of knowing that there's a cushion of people who support them. So I think the greatest thing we can do as individuals is vote and, and encourage the, not only the political future that we want, but the societal future that we need.
0: Dr. Dean, this was such a interesting conversation. And again, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Aidan. That was great. Thank you this is the end of the podcast
0: we hope you enjoyed your time if you're feeling generous and you're not completely skinned why don't you give us some of your money join our patreon join our patreon Join our prayer trio Join our prayer trio Hold up